if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. On AM 1420, The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you for joining us as we get your Friday rolling at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. It'll be a free-for-all Friday for part of the show, but not all of the show. We do have a couple of very important guests coming up on the program today. But it is the 24th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord, 2020, and we do have a lot of important work to do coming up in about a half an hour. We're going to be talking with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, who is going to tell us all about the real truth when it comes to face masks, when it comes to their efficacy, their um, integrity, and also about the agenda, the political agenda of forcing people to wear face masks and what that could lead to. And yes, I will give you a hint. Uh, We're going to be talking about vaccinations and a forced vaccination, maybe a quantum dot tattoo implant proving vaccination those are all things that a lot of people are concerned about some call them conspiracy theory theories uh maybe they are to an extent but we are going to talk about that with dr sherry tenpenny coming up at 10, uh, 9:35 this morning you're going to want to hear that uh also at about 10:35 we're going to talk to tommy hicks who is uh, co-chair of the rnc about president trump fighting back now and releasing some ads some very good ads, by the way, pointing out uh, who and what Joe Biden is all about as it pertains. One Spanish language ad, which I loved, uh, criticizing Biden for his attack and their attack on Goya Foods, as well as um, the defunding the police ad. Have you seen this one yet? We'll talk to Tommy Hicks about the race in just a bit, or not in just a bit at 1035, actually. But uh, I, just to hit this real quick, very powerful. It features Grandma for lack of a better way of saying it, an elderly woman sitting in her home noticing somebody, a shadowy figure outside of her home, outside of her door, trying to get in, jiggling the lock, etc. She picks up the phone and calls 911 as she watches television. And in the background, you hear Hannity on television talking about Joe Biden, who has called for the defunding of police. So that's going on in the background as Grandma picks up the phone and dials 911 and gets what? An answering machine. Sorry, we can't take your emergency call right now. We'll try to get back to you. Because that is what happens when you defund the police. When you take funds away from the police, you take manpower away from the police. When you take manpower away, you increase response times. You don't get emergency service, etc. 
And that's exactly what Joe Biden is doing. And uh, Grandma, of course, uh, then is, you know, you, you can just imagine the rest as the phone falls to the ground. So really good stuff there. President Trump uh, in this fight now and fully engaged. At, a, at the same time, by the way, and we'll start with this, too, or hit this. Uh, President Trump announcing yesterday that there will be no Jacksonville portion of the convention. They have decided that, the president has decided that, due to uh, the spike in cases in Florida, or at least the perceived spike, and I've got some thoughts on that, that it's just the wrong time to pursue um, you know, the acceptance speech at a big rally in Jacksonville. So they will still have the convention in North Carolina. President Trump, he sa- uh, says, rather, that he will still um, give a speech, but it'll be in a different form. It will not be live. He said it's just uh, in Jacksonville. He said it's just the right thing to do to at this point in time. And t- I guess technically we could reverse that, and he says that it's, it's, it's the wrong thing to do to have a convention there. He said he just looked at it, told his team, I don't want to do that because it's just not safe right now. Okay. Now, the, the important part about that story, by the way, uh, and in fact, do I have that audio? I, I might have this for you. Let me, let me just kind of give you the president what he said specifically uh, about this yesterday. With what's happened recently, the flare-up in Florida, to have a big convention is not the right time. It's uh, really something that, for me, I have to protect the American people. That's what I've always done. That's what I always will do. That's what I'm about. They said, sir, we can make this work very easily. We have great enthusiasm, incredible enthusiasm. Even the polls say about the most enthusiasm they've seen. We can do this safely and we can do it responsibly. I said there's nothing more important in our country than keeping our people safe, whether that's from the China virus or the radical left mob that you see in Portland. I love that, by the way, that he got both of those things in there. <laughs> Keeping the people safe, great message, number one. Uh, and then message number two, whether it's from the China virus, he won't even call it corona. I, I still call it the Chinese coronavirus, or I'll call it the Chinese virus. He just calls it the China virus now, which is even more direct and probably even better. And that, of course, is triggering the left every single day as they continue to call him a racist for referencing the origin of the Chinese coronavirus or the Wuhan virus or the Wuhan flu. Or if people are just tired of trying to figure out what to say, it, go ahead and call it the Kung flu like he did at the Tulsa rally. At any rate, he got that in, that in as well as the uh, the Portland riots that continue each and every day. So President Trump is is fighting this. I, you know what I'm going to... Normally, I don't do this to start a show, but I want to do a social media promotion here only because I want this to be spread as wide and as far as it can be spread, since we're starting with a little bit of presidential politics. And I was very glad, by the way, as I said, to hear President Trump stepping up and uh, and slapping back. Uh, and he did it last night on Hannity, and he did it, uh, did it at the White House press briefing uh, at those who continue to criticize him and call him racist, et cetera, et cetera. He's doing the right thing, criticizing his coronavirus response and more. But I, I, I want to just do this. Um, on my social media pages, Twitter, Facebook, and Parler, and again, I, I've been very reticent to to, pro, uh, to promote these things in the course of the last month, I would say, because of the evil, toxic nature of uh, particularly the Twitter brand, but but Facebook as well. So I haven't been really promoting my, my social media stuff. But I want to do this to start the show. On Twitter, Facebook, and Parler, I posted this morning, actually last night on one and this morning on the other two, the binary choice that we have 
for the future of this country, personified in two individuals, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, all right? Um, it's more than just one person against the other person. It's more than just one ideology against another ideology. What you see when you look at Joe Biden and Donald Trump really is you have a choice between the, the, the type of country and the type of existence that you want to have for yourself and for decades and decades to come for your children and their children. I have a list. I can't even remember who sent this to me, but I was so incredibly impressed by its accuracy, I had to share it on all my social media, and I'm sharing it on live radio now. Your choices for the future of this republic are clear, and they are stark, and you need to know that. It's pretty darn simple when you break it down. I'm going to give you now just a a very brief concise rundown of the differences between Joe Biden's America, the leftist's America, and the America championed by President Trump. All right? I, I, this, is, this is important. You can find it on my social media and share it. I want you to share the bejesus out of this. Share it as far and wide as you can. But for those who don't have social media, I want you to listen. A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for killing babies. A vote for Donald Trump is a vote for letting babies live. Talking, of course, about abortion. A vote for Joe Biden is defunding police. For Donald Trump, supporting police. Joe Biden, gun control. Donald Trump, gun rights. Joe Biden, riots and violence. Donald Trump, law and order. All of this is verifiable, of course. Joe Biden has literally defended the rioting and supported the BLM and Antifa thugs who are doing it. President Trump is calling for law and order and putting federal officers on the ground in order to bring it about. A vote for Joe Biden is for illegal immigration. A vote for Donald Trump is for legal immigration. For Joe Biden, higher taxes. He has said as much. He said, if and when I win the presidency, I will be raising taxes. For Donald Trump, tax breaks. A vote for Joe Biden is for weaker military. For Joe Biden, stronger or for a Donald Trump, stronger military. Again, Joe Biden will do what his predecessor Barack Obama did and shrink to nothing the Pentagon budget. He will weaken our military. President Trump has, of course, spent more money in strengthening and rebuilding the military than anybody since President Reagan. A vote for Joe Biden is for overregulation of businesses, crippling overregulation, by the way. A vote for Donald Trump is for small business growth. Joe Biden, let anybody vote. Donald Trump, voter ID. Joe Biden, welfare state. Donald Trump, working class. Joe Biden, poverty. Donald Trump, prosperity. How do we know that? Because Joe Biden represents the Democrat Party that thrives on keeping people in poverty, particularly people of color, and keeping them devoted to the party that's giving them the handouts. If you need any proof of that, just look look across this great republic of ours and look at the poorest areas of the country, the poorest cities, the poorest neighborhoods. The most poverty-stricken are in the biggest cities that are run not just temporarily but historically by liberal Democrat policies. 
liberal Democrat mayors, liberal Democrat county commissioners, liberal Democrat councils. The poorest areas of this country are Democrat areas. Joe Biden is a vote for poverty. Donald Trump is a vote for prosperity. Joe Biden, big government. Donald Trump, small government. Joe Biden, suppression of speech. Donald Trump, free speech. Joe Biden, liberalism. Donald Trump, conservatism. Joe Biden, communism. Donald Trump, constitution. Joe Biden, socialism. Donald Trump, capitalism. Joe Biden, defiance. Donald Trump, patriotism. I mean, this list, like I said, that is available now on my social media, um, it just... It could not be more clear in contrasting what this country could look like if Joe Biden and his leftist uh, cadre of anti-American, pro-Antifa, pro-BLM, racial dividing, um, you know, uh, military shrinking, tax hiking, uh, you know, individuals, if they win the power of the Oval Office and the Senate, this country is done not harmed, not marginally affected, done. Our founding fathers gave us this republic and said it is a republic if you can keep it. If Joe Biden and the Democrats win in the year 2020, the answer will have been given. We couldn't keep it. It will be gone. A vote for Donald Trump will be a vote for the most glorious force for good in the history of human civilization. The United States of America that continues to be hated so deeply by leftists, by BLM, by Antifa, by the Revcom USA, by all of them. The United States of America, it will be done. And I cannot overemphasize that. Share this list with everyone you can find. Put it in an email, print it out, and give it to people. A vote for Joe Biden is for the death of the United States as the constitutional republic that we know. A vote for Donald Trump is to preserve that very thing. Please share that as much as you can. All right, it's 920. We'll take our time out here. Don't forget, we got two great guests coming up. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny at 935. We're going to talk about the reality of the coronavirus scare, the reality of the response to it, the reality of lockdowns, the reality of masking, and what all of that means. And we'll talk more presidential politics with uh, RNC co-chair Tommy Hicks. will be in the 10 o'clock hour at 1035, to be precise. But before, between, and after those guests, the phone lines will be yours, 216-901-0945, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. So, uh, so baseball is back. Indians start tonight. Last night, Yankees and Nationals played the first game of the uh, new MLB slash BLM uh, 60-game shortened season. Um, and it began as you would expect it, have expected it to. The Yankees and Nationals players and coaches all kneeling before the anthem in a Black Lives Matter salute. And if you said, well, I'll just turn on the game after they do their little Black Lives Matter salute, and then I'll just watch baseball, well, not so much. If you were watching a television view of the game, 
Every pitch, of course, is 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 on camera, as is the pitcher's mound from which the pitcher throws the pitch, which means that in every single pitch camera shot, the BLM that is stenciled onto the pitcher's mound is visible, and this is going to be the case in all ballparks, at least for the openers, including the Indians. I'm kind of curious. Will you be watching? I uh, was encouraged a little bit by the Indians in their last uh, preseason, if you will, or spring training in July, whatever you want to call it, game, uh, during the National Anthem, they all stood right hand on heart, left hand on the shoulder to the man to their left, which is fine. That's a show of solidarity, and it can mean anything, and I'm fine with that. But the BLM on the wall at Fenway, the BLM on the pitcher's mounds everywhere else, um, paying tribute to an organization that wishes to literally destroy this republic, an organization that calls for an end to the nuclear family, an end to um, the Constitution, an end to uh, the greatest force for good in the history of humanity. Uh, got a problem with that. You going to be watching the Indians? You going to be watching if there's a BLM on the mound in every camera shot? You going to be okay with that? Two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Let me get a call or two in here before the bottom of the hour. We'll go to uh, Lakewood. Todd is waiting on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Hi, Todd. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm good, sir. What's on your mind? Uh, talk to you a lot online. First time I ever called in. Well, I'm glad you called. Um, couple of, about a week or so ago, I saw I saw something. It was a, a news story um, quoting one of the leaders of the Portland uprising. Right. She started by saying that she was a Afro-Indigenous, non-binary, <laughs> uh, whatever. Uh, and that I saw her. Was, I know who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The first thing I thought of is the old Saturday Night Live character Pat, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, uh, she she started talking that not only uh, is their goal to defund the police, mm-hmm. but it's to bring the downfall of the United States of America. That is correct. Now, that's a seditious statement. Sedition is a federal crime, and it's actually a statement of an act of war. So why aren't we treating these people as such, is my question. They have declared open war on us. So, therefore, as enemy combatants by federal law, they are not covered by the protection of the Constitution. They should be treated that way. Well, you're you're a hundred percent right. I agree with you. Um, the individual you're talking about, Todd. And by the way, I'm glad we talk online, and I'm glad we now talk on the radio. Make sure you call me back again. Thanks for your call right now. I'm going to let you go so I can hit this and then hit the news. The person you're talking about also called for openly the murder of police officers. This Black Lives Matter leader that you're talking about, who called herself, like you said, an indigenous black, blah 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 blah. Uh, non-binary individual, etc., literally openly called for the killing of police officers. Now, I, I don't know how much more you need to know that this is a quote-unquote enemy combatant. This is not somebody that is an actual citizen. This person is a very dangerous individual, and I think that kind of speech is about the only kind of speech that should not be protected, quite frankly, uh, because of what it can lead to. I am a free speech advocate. I work with and for an organization called Citizens for Free Speech, which you can find at citizensfreespeech.org. I believe in free speech, but this is something that is a little different because it's speech that leads to action, and it is very, very dangerous action. 
We'll talk more about this as we go, but I, I do appreciate you bringing that up. I have not played or talked about that story since I saw it either, so I'm glad you did. Todd, thanks for that call. We'll get our news now. We'll come back, and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is going to join us on AM 1420, The Answer. I think we all want to understand right now, to be honest with you, let's turn to the doctor to do just that. 936, thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's see what we can understand about Governor Mike DeWine's orders in the state of Ohio. Let's see what we can understand about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birx's recommendations at the uh, Federal Task Force, Coronavirus Task Force response, and let's compare them with the reality of the situation. Joining us to do that is Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Dr. Tenpenny is an osteopathic medical doctor. She's certified in three specialties. She's the founder of Tenpenny Integrative Medical Center, which is a clinic providing a natural, holistic approach to getting well, getting people off prescription meds, and she is an expert on vaccines. She has invested nearly 20 years and more than 40,000 hours documenting and exposing the problems associated with certain vaccines, and she is greatly concerned, as am I, about the forced vaccination of Americans uh, for COVID-19, which is what many of us believe the forced masking of Americans is going to lead to. Dr. Tenpenny, it's good to have you on the program. How are you this morning? Good morning, Bob. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Before we talk about the specifics about masking, because you sent me a very lengthy, and I'll tell you what, the science is starting to stack. I can't even read it all anymore. The science and the studies um, about the efficacy of masks and about what they will and what they won't do and how they meet the promise uh, of, of, of you know, stopping the spread of coronavirus, which is what we're being told by so many individuals who are trying to force this. The studies are just getting out of control. Um, there is little doubt whatsoever that the masks, I guess I am going to start here after all, Dr. Tenpenny, but there's little to, to no doubt that the masks uh, that they are pushing on people are absolutely ineffective in trying to stop a virus and moreover they are potentially dangerous for people forcing them to decrease their own oxygen intake and marinate in their own carbon dioxide emissions inside of that mask uh i mean this is this is getting to be very very obvious to anybody who's reading these studies that this is this is the wrong course of action for americans health you summarized it actually very very well because that's exactly right um, when I put together the article that I sent you, the document that I sent you, I had reviewed more than 70 articles from peer-reviewed literature published in PubMed wow. looking at problems associated with vaccination. I'm sorry, problems associated with, with masks. And I pulled out about 30 of the ones that just kind of said it all and just resonated, saying that healthy, healthy people don't spread infection, this whole idea of asymptomatic carriers spreading viruses everywhere, and now pre-symptomatic. I mean, where do they come up with these things? Healthy people don't spread it. Mask mandates as a public policy have never been supported by the medical literature all the way back to the 1960s. And and when you say that there's more and more articles that, that are coming forth, it's absolutely correct. And it seems as though that the public health people, the people that own the big box stores, the people that are controlling restaurants, who have always said from the beginning of this fiasco, oh, it's all about the science, Quite frankly, it's nothing about the science when it comes to masks. 
You know, that's uh, what I find very interesting here, Dr. Tenpenny, is is the the similarities between this and the global warming uh, debate. Um, all of the science that debunks man-made contributions to global warming or to climate change, that science is deemed by uh, those with the power to do so as junk science. That's the pseudoscience. You are science deniers. You are flat earthers, etc. The only science that counts is the science that we like that says mankind is doing this and we have to change the way mankind behaves as a result. That's what I see here. All of the 70 studies you just cited, and I've seen so many others cited by Dr. Russell Blaylock and others um, about masks, it's just you're, you're the pseudoscientist, Dr. Tenpenny. You are among those that are trying to hide the reality. The science is in. Masks do work at uh, 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 um, uh, limiting the exposure and the spreading of those germs, not necessarily for yourself, but for others around you. And anybody who tells you otherwise is, is an affront to real science. That's what they tell us. And they say the same thing about people who have explored problems associated with vaccines. Like you said, I've done this for 20 years and more than 40,000 hours, and it's only been reviewing peer-reviewed medical literature. It's not coming from conspiratology.com or some blog somewhere. This is published scientific studies that show a, a long list, a litany of problems associated with vaccines. But, of course, we're, con- we're called anti-vaxxers, um, uh, tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists, anti, anti-science, anything that doesn't go lockstep with what the mainstream propaganda message is, is thrown underneath the bus. So they've done that with vaccines, now they're doing it with masks. And the masks are really like an outward visible sign of submission and control. Because that's what this is all about. It has nothing to do with protecting people from getting sick. In fact, when some of the studies that I reviewed said that even people in the hospital, that it's really not even necessary for them to wear a mask, even dealing with people who have who are SARS-CoV-2 positive, unless they are in close communication, close contact, anywhere from 5 to 30 minutes. So this idea of it blowing through the air and everybody getting sick, um, there is just so much evidence to the contrary of that. And being positive for a test on this virus, what does that actually mean? Does that mean that you've been exposed to this virus somewhere in your life? Perhaps you had a coronavirus infection five years ago and now you have an antibody to that. The data is so mixed up and so messed together, we're never, ever going to be able to truly sort it out. So the idea of, of having people wear a mask when they're walk, working out in their yard, walking their dog, exercising. There was just an article that came across my desk yesterday showing that people who exercise with a mask put themselves at cardiovascular risk. But yet we have to do this because Governor DeWine seems to think that he seems to be practicing medicine without a license and making mandates over something that has no law to back it up. We are talking with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. Before we talk more about masks and uh, specifically the, because I agree with you, it is about control. It's about social control and forcing 330 million people to wear the mask uh, in the interest of the public good will soon be replaced by forcing 330 million people to take the vaccine in the interest of the public good. But I I have to ask you about the asymptomatic spread. Um, Mm -hmm. I've been having discussions with a friend of mine who's also a physician, and um, he is not necessarily in disagreement with me about mask mandates. He doesn't think that they should be mandated, but he says they really do help. He's he's one of those who says the science is in, that it really does prevent the spread uh, by by keeping the droplets and the particles inside the mask, etc., rather than going out into the air that could infect somebody else. And I say, okay, if you're sick, then wear one of those in order to do that. Or better yet, if you're sick, stay home. But if you're not 
not sick, you shouldn't have to. And he said, his response to me is, well, then you're just dismissing the idea of asymptomatic spread. And I said, yeah, I guess I am. Now, I'm not a doctor. You are. So tell me about that, you know, because there is a dispute about asymptomatic spread. Think about this, Bob. We carry around more than a trillion, and some people say several trillion, viruses and bacteria in our normal microbiome every single day, in our nose, our mouth, our throat, on our skin, in our gut, everywhere. We carry around that every single day. So are we asymptomatic carriers of every virus and bacteria that happen to be on our body? Because absolutely, I guess we are. So does that mean that we're spreading infection everywhere? Absolutely, we are not. What the evidence shows and the the clinical studies have shown, it's the presence of fever and when you're sick and you're actually coughing and you're actually sick with an activated virus, not a viral particle, what they're testing for in the saliva and in the deep throat swabs, not a virus particle or a trace of a, of the, of the viral genetics that is, that is in your bloodstream or in your, in your throat. The trace of that does not mean that you're infected. It means that you've been exposed. And it doesn't mean you have to have the full virus in the presence of fever to pass it on and infect someone else. So asymptomatic carriers, um, I guess we carry around viruses and bacteria all the time. The other thing is that we make the assumption that the only transmission of any type of, of infection, whether it's influenza or pneumonia or staph or strep or any of those things, is only a person-to-person transmission. It can't happen in any other way. So... That, that precludes the fact, so it, it assumes that we are spreading infectious pathogens to every single person we're in contact with all day long and have been doing it for years. Now, why does this make the, the mask mandate so important for SARS-CoV-2, which we know that the death rate is lower than influenza, we know that the spread is less than measles, why are we doing this? Why all of a sudden do we have to change industries? Do we have to tank the entire travel industry? Do we have all of these things over a virus that has a very low death rate and a very low transmission rate? Those are very good questions. Um, and, and I was going to actually turn to you for the answer, uh, Dr. Tenpenny, because this is the part that's, that's frustrating to me. I can't ascribe the same motivation to everybody. Uh, for example, you know, many people are saying, well, they're trying to lock down, you know, the, the economy so that Trump doesn't get, get reelected. These big blue state, and I've made these arguments on my program. Uh, these big blue state Democrats are, Democrats are trying to harm the economy. They want to continue to spread fear. They want to keep people away from businesses. They want to keep businesses, uh, for, you know, uh, people laid off, et cetera, et cetera, so that it harms Trump. There's a political motivation here. But then I see Democrat or Republican governors like Mike DeWine here in Ohio, Greg Abbott, conservative Republican, has the sixth most restrictive coronavirus rules in the country down there in Texas, they're certainly not going to be have a political motive that is the same political motivation of an Andrew Cuomo or a Ralph Northam or anybody else or, or a Gavin Newsom. So you have everybody on different political ideological sides or different you know parts of the same scale all doing the same thing. So what is their motivation? Why are people with different political ideologies and who are executives in power all uniting in the same, um, you know, in the same path, if you will, toward essential social control? Well, I guess you have to go up the ladder to, to have that discussion. I mean, I'm sure that you've looked at the, at the 211, at the 210 meeting and also at the weforum.org discussions that talk about the world that we want to create. But the definite, but then the question remains, who's we? 
who's actually pulling the strings on this on a global level. You know, we know about Fauci, we know about Bill Gates, but who are their handlers? Who's upstream from them that are making sure that we have this whole masking thing that we are now trying to identify, use artificial intelligence to see if it works as well with a mask or without. We're talking about social distancing so we can get energetic imprints on people who are spread spread apart, not together as a clump. And a lot of those things that people might think, oh, that sounds like some wild conspiracy theory, until you go to weforum.org and listen and read to what they what they're talking about in terms of social control, economic control, being able to, to introduce um, the artificial intelligence, the transhumanism movement, which is real, and also the cashless society that they've been pushing forward for the last 25 years. There's a much bigger global agenda here than most people are willing to take on because it just frightens them to think that the world may be coming to that place. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny is my guest this morning. We're going to take our quick time out here, doctor, because I know you've got something else to do at 10, so I want to get back and leave enough time to talk about the forced vaccination and what you think that is going to entail. Maybe even talk about quantum dot tattooing, which is a part of the vaccination that proves you have indeed been vaccinated and, uh, and find out where you think that is headed. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny back with us right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. And we continue now with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, doctor, um, we keep hearing the same things from the Federal uh, Coronavirus Task Force, from Governor DeWine. We keep hearing we have to control the spread. This disease is still very dangerous. Control the spread, control the spread, control the spread until... There's a vaccine. They say it over and over again, like this is going to be the be-all, end-all. And that may be fine if they want to make a vaccine available and encourage people to use it or to take it, uh, if they have sufficiently fear-mongered everybody else enough to to make them take it or to uh, make them want to take it. That's fine. But that's not what we're hearing. We're hearing that this isn't going to be a choice, that this is going to be the same thing as the mask. This is why the mask control is so important. In order to protect other people, not just yourself, you need to get the vaccine. And the the, the word now is, or the concern is, that if you don't have it, you won't be able to engage in commerce. You won't be able to travel. You won't be able to be on a flight, et cetera, et cetera. What can you tell us about whether or not you think this will be a forced, not an opportunity, but a forced vaccination. Wow, there's several elements that I want to address on that as as quickly as I can because I know we're a little short on time. But I don't think that they will make it mandatory, but they will remove so many social abilities to you that if for all intents and purposes, it will be mandatory because vaccination is a state issue. At this point, it's not a federal issue. So if they can say, if you don't have a vaccine, you can't get on an airplane, you can't get on a cruise ship, you can't go into a restaurant and on and on. So they remove your social privileges to the point where it essentially becomes mandatory. The problem is, Bob, is that they've been trying to develop a coronavirus vaccine since SARS in 2002, and they've not been able to do it because they they were never able to get past the animal studies because the animals all had accelerated autoimmune disease and many of them died. And the FDA would never allow a a coronavirus vaccine to move forward. And now, because of the PrEP app of 2005, 
It's the Public Readiness and Preparedness Act, the PREP Act of 2005, which which stood on the back of the EUA. The EUA is a, the Emergency Utilization Authority, which allows them to bypass and fast-track a vaccine past animal trials and go directly to human trials, even though the medical literature peppered from 2002 all the way up through the present says we must move with great caution to develop a vaccine for coronavirus in humans because it is it creates a paradoxical immune reaction and people will get very sick and many will die from this. This is in the medical literature, Bob. This is not Dr. Sherry Tempany making this up. And so, and with the PrEP Act of 2005, they have 100% complete liability protection for anything that comes through that needle in terms of a vaccination. Um, they, you can't sue them. You can't do anything if you have a recourse, if you have a bad reaction. In fact, if people have a serious reaction or people die, the only recourse that they have under the PrEP Act of 2005 is to form a class action and go to the U.S. Attorney General and convince the U.S. Attorney General that the, the, that the manufacturers made this product, whether it's a vaccine, a, 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 an injectable, a, an electronic, a software, any of those things, that they created these things under an act of willful misconduct, meaning that they actually created it with the intent to harm you, which as a legal basis is almost almost impossible to, impro- to prove. We activated, um, Alex Azar activated the, the PrEP Act of 2005 where all these vaccines are being made under the PrEP Act of 2005. He put it into the Federal Regis- Register on March 17th of 2020. So any vaccine, any drug, any biologic software technology that is made ostensibly for COVID-19 has zero liability no matter what the outcomes are. So, considering the fact that Alex Azar works for Donald Trump as the Secretary of Health and Human Services, are we suggesting that Donald Trump is in on all of this? I, I, I kind of suggest, and I've, I've floated this with a lot of people in, in, in various circles, I kind of think that maybe Donald Trump doesn't even know about it. I mean, he's not been a politician. This was a piece of legislation that was passed in 2005. We don't have a whole lot of long-term politicians up on the Hill. And the only reason that I know about it intimately is because this bill was passed in 2005 during the bird flu pandemic that we had. And I was actually writing a book about the bird flu in real time and following the legislative actions that were happening. Um, Most of the people that I've talked to or I've heard on the radio, they don't know anything about this. And I suspect that perhaps the president doesn't either. I've only got two minutes left, but to, to the point about kind of making it mandatory without making it mandatory, I feel like that's, again, what the masks are intended to do. You want to yeah. get out of the masking, right? You want, to, you want to get out of the shutdowns, right? You want to get out of the quarantines, right? Take the vaccine. Take the vaccine to the point where the entire nation is going to convince everybody else, take the vaccine so we can go back to living, quote-unquote, normally. And then how are you going to prove that you have the vaccine? What do you know about the quantum dot uh, vaccine, you know, implant tattoo, if you will, uh, that Bill Gates and others are apparently working on? Well, to my knowledge, there are at least 19 patented microchipping technologies. There are probably more than that, but I'm aware of, of about 19 of them. So microchipping technologies in terms of this vaccination is really a real problem. And I really believe that it will, coupled with the cashless society that they're trying to do, we'll just have everything in this little chip that, or this little micro dot that we put into your hand, into your arm, and, and then we'll just have a, a scanner that you'll every place you go in place of commerce will just scan it. And I've heard and I've read that this is supposed to be coupled up to the cloud 
and that um, it's all about the the weforum.org, what they're planning in terms of uh, coupling this up with what Google's been trying to do with China for the last several years. We'll have social credit scores that make sure that we're behaving or they can just turn off our chip. Bob, these are not conspiracy theories. These are things that are out there in the public. You can go and read them if you just click, care to pull back the curtain a little bit and see what else is going on. You're good, but but they're going to continue to 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 wear the stigma of conspiracy because people are going to say, "Well, okay, you're telling me to read them. What am I reading? I'm reading the work of conspiracy theorists. They're talking about this, that, and the other." Ooh, thing. I so, don't know. They, they these are all designed by people <laughs> from Davos, all the multi billionaires that have been working on this for the last fifty years the last 50 years, and they tell you right straight up, this is what we've been planning for the last 50 years. There's videos, there's there's extensive websites that go deep into this. It's intelligence.weforum.org. Is, um, it, it's their playbook. It's all right there. Dr. Sherry Tenpenny just scratching the surface of so much of this, and right now the very early portion of a lot of it is just wear the mask. It's the right thing to do for everybody else. Wear the mask. If all 330 million of us do it, this will be gone in three to four weeks, we were told. Governor DeWine has said that repeatedly. Governor, uh, uh, direct, uh, I mean, uh, Dr. Fauci has said that as well. So this is the very beginning stages of it. Dr. Tenpenny, thank you so much for uh, bringing it to our attention. We will, of course, talk again and uh, talk in more depth about some of these things so that we can really get a better handle on them. But thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you so much, Bob. Take it's, care. it's a pleasure. All right. It is 10 o'clock, and that means it's time for our news. We have a half hour of open phone lines coming up. I do have Tommy Hicks from the RNC going to talk uh, about the presidential race with us uh, at 1035. But for now, get in line. 216-901-0945. And we'll get to your calls right after this. Let you light